I think that the thing I want all of your listeners to know is that each of them absolutely belongs. And it's important that we find our own way. You know, you're a unique person and it's your unique gift to the world that each of us wants. We don't need copycats. We already have each of us. So really take that to heart and and follow your heart, follow your heart song. And that's what's going to bring what the world really needs is the real you. Hey, my friends, this is Nishant Hand. Welcome to another episode of the Nishant Gurk Show. This is a podcast about helping you live a fulfilled life. And my job on this show is to invite the world-class experts to extract the practices, routines, and habits to help you live a fulfilled and abundant life. This episode is brought to you by Friday Newsletter. Every Friday, I share an exclusive email to the newsletter subscribers, which mentions what I'm learning, recent podcast updates, things I'm experimenting with, books I'm reading, and much more. You can find the newsletter link at my website, www.nishangarg.me, N-I-S-H. A-N-T-G-A-R-G dot me. And today's guest is Erica Flint. Erica is an award-winning hypnotist, best-selling author, speaker, and co-host of the popular podcast series Hypnosis. She is the founder of Cascade Hypnosis Center and the creator of the Reprogram Your Weight system. Her background is in computer programming and problem solving. She worked in that field as a software engineer for over a decade when she realized how interested she was in the greatest computing device available, the human mind. Now she helps people transform their lives with the power of hypnosis. In this episode, Erica discusses different forms of mind and body relaxation techniques such as two-breath hypnosis technique, meditative movement exercise, using binaural beats music, her writing process, exploring spirituality and hypnosis, and much, much more. Please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Erica Flint. Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. It is my pleasure. So I'm learning new things in the hypnosis industry, and you are one of the very few guests on my podcast who is a hypnotic expert. So I thought (laughs) I would start with a very unusual question. All right. What is your morning routine? What do you do when you wake up in the first 60 to 90 minutes? The very first thing that I do is I put on a recording and the recording is something I get up and I move. And so that's the very first thing that I do. I love to move my body. I think, you know, some of the work that I'm doing right now professionally has to do with embodied hypnosis. And so starting the day by bringing life into every part of your body by really focusing on if you want to focus on your chakras, if, if you have those beliefs, you bring energy into each part of uh, each of your chakras while you're moving your body and listening to music. So I love starting my day like that. Could you share a little bit about chakras for our listeners who may not be aware of chakras? Well, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert on chakras, but sh- the idea is chakras are energy centers within your body. And if you focus on them, you can bring energy into that part of your body and clear out, you know, limiting beliefs. You can uh, bring in good energy. And the reason that I like it as a hypnotist is it gives your mind something to focus on. And so uh, first thing in the morning, if you think about bringing energy into your root chakra, 
that would be kind of the lower part of your torso. And so you're just focusing on that part of your body. And when I do that, I focus on all the way down to the tips of my toes. So I'm bringing love, intention, and energy to my physical body and being grateful for, you know, grateful for everything my physical body brings me. So it's, I'm kind of like waking myself up and saying, you know, good morning and hello to my mm-hmm. physical <laughs> body, right? And one way to do it that's really cool, Nishant, is that you actually kind of slap your body. So it's kind of like, you know, with the flat side of your palms, you're kind of like taking and you're running down your legs. So you're kind of um, lightly tapping every part of your body. Good morning. And I think it's a really good loving intention and a great way to start the day. And then you just go up the rest of your body. I put on a song I like, I kind of dance around and do that. And then I'm ready to start the day. (laughs) What kind of songs do you listen to? I listen to lots of different music. I uh, create my own music as well. But my favorite style of music is electronic uplifting music. So I love electronic music. However, a lot of the lyrics are not my favorite. A lot of the lyrics are not uplifting. They're not heaven lyrics. They're not uh, spiritual. They're not positively focused. And so, you know, I really like either instrumental or I like, you know, there are some, there are some songs out there that have uplifting lyrics. I have a follow-up question for you. So when did you start creating music in your life? I'm a trained pianist. So when I was younger, very young, I took piano lessons and I was the accompanist for our choir. And then I got out of music. Now, music has always been in my heart and always been very, very important to me. I've always had record players, tape decks, place, you know, the Sony Playman, whatever those, I'm forgetting the name now, but the Walkman, Sony Walkman. I didn't Um, know that. Yeah. So, you know, music has always been really important to me. And I just started getting back into it a few years ago. But it really wasn't until the pandemic that I really dove back into it again. And so since March, I've produced 10 songs. Can we find those songs online? Yes, a lot of them are online. A lot of them are on SoundCloud under, I think it's under Cascade Hypnosis Center under SoundCloud. And the reason I love some of these songs, some of them are hypnotic. So there is, I think there is one that is hypnotic, meaning there's a vocals, but most of them are instrumental with binaural beats. So it has entrainment elements baked right into the music. And so binaural beats, are you familiar, Nishant, with what binaural beats are? Have you heard that before? I have heard of the term, but I'm not very familiar. If you could explain to us, that would be Yeah, great. it's... It's really interesting because what happens is, and this is such a good demonstration of how the brain is often making up and giving us an experience. It's filling in the blanks of our experience. And so everything, our entire life is lived from our own perception and we need to remember that, right? And this is a really good example because um, how binaural beats work, they were discovered, I think, in the 50s by someone named Bob Monroe. And what happens is if you put a tone in one channel, so here we would be talking about headphones. So in your left ear, you would put a tone, let's say 100 hertz. Uh, on, in the right ear, you would put a different tone, and let's say you would put 90 hertz. So the difference between those two tones is 10 hertz, which would put you in an alpha brainwave state. And what happens is the brain, because you have uh, 100 in one channel, 90 in the other, the brain emits a second tone. It emits its own tone, which would be a third tone, I suppose, and that's at the th- at the 10 hertz. So it entrains, it's a way to entrain the brain to a certain frequency. And the 10 hertz frequency would be in the alpha brainwave state where it would be very 
daydreamy and comfortable for our clients. It's kind of like a flow state. What is the benefit of this kind of binaural beats or this kind of music? Well, it really depends on what someone is trying to do, but the intention with these recordings specifically, they were designed to help people through the pandemic. And the reason they work is because they're instrumental and they help keep you on task. And so people, you know, they're like an hour long each. And so people are listening to them. I have all sorts of, you know, clients and friends that would listen to these at work and it helps them stay focused. So now during during times of stress, they're able to listen to this music, which helps their mind stay focused on what they're supposed to be doing instead of worrying about whatever else they're worrying about, right? They get more done. And so they're happier. So that's one of the reasons why entrainment can work because it, it's like, it's kind of like training wheels, right? Everybody wants to do meditation or a lot of people want to be good meditators, but getting to that place where anybody feels like they're really good that can take some time and something like entrainment or guided meditation, something like that can help bridge that gap for a lot of people who tend to have busy minds. And that's the world we live in. We are trained for anxiety. That is so true. So Erica, do you have any formal meditation practice in your everyday life? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I think that, you know, there are basically two... (laughs) two magic pills that everybody's looking for. One, <laughs> one is, and, and you know, everybody just wants to take the magic pill, right? And the two that I think are really important to, for everybody to understand is meditation is one and exercise is the other. And so I combine the two. And so I do a meditative, which is a hypnotic movement exercise. It's similar to what I told you about in the morning. But again, this is the work that I'm doing now because Traditionally, hypnosis is thought of as either stage hypnosis, which we all see, you know, at the fair and that type of a thing. But when we're talking more about clinical hypnosis or hypnosis in the office, I think that we can get even better results and we're getting even better results by hypnosis being, so to speak, out of the office and in the real world. So my meditation practice is still a movement practice and it's still very much focused movement. So you're still in a meditative state, but you are engaging your physical body in addition. So it's a little bit different than trying to silence your physical body. Could you tell us some of your movement exercises? Yes, absolutely. So some of the movement exercises have to do with taking your arms. And so if you can imagine just standing still, completely still with your arms by your side, and now raise your arms up. So you're kind of making a T with your body, so to speak. And then one of the techniques is to drop all the way down to the floor. So now you're kind of on the ground with your knees bent. So your feet are on the floor, your knees are bent, your arms are out, and you twist your body. And as you twist your body, you come up. And the intention is you are touching the energetic space around your body. So you're basically really touching the air, the ether around you with your hands as you move in space. And that's just the movement part of it. When you add the hypnotic element, and the hypnotic element is going to be a particular question, a particular idea. And so this is the trick, Nishan, and this is so cool. This is true Mm -hmm. about anything. You're going to keep two things in mind at the same time. When you keep two things in mind at the same time, and we're trying to be present and we're trying to be focused. So doing this well takes a lot of effort. So at the same time that you're moving your body through space and you're focusing on moving your body through space, you are thinking about an answer to a question. 
And it's usually a question that you've been stuck on, or if some if it's being guided, your hypnotist is asking you a very specific question. But here's what happens. Because we're moving our body through space in a different way than we have before, because some of these movements we don't do naturally. They are they are unique play unique ways that we move our body. We can unlock insight. And it's oh. just mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. Erica, I want to ask you. What kind of questions do you ask yourself while practicing those movement exercises, if any comes to your mind? Yeah, so a lot of the questions that I'm asking myself are, you know, one thing in the the first thing in the morning, I will have goals for that I want for that day. And if I'm not accomplishing them, I'm trying to figure out why am I not following through, right? There's a hesitation or something there. So it's almost always personal growth, fear-based, something like that, thinking about something that is coming up or something that had transpired and just clearing it. So a lot of it I call clearing. I'm clearing any past experience that I would have done better or would do better next time had I had the opportunity. So I'm really kind of doing an internal processing on my real life experience so that I am constantly growing and getting better. So how much time do you spend in those movement exercises? The morning one is about two and a half minutes. And then after that, it kind of depends. Uh, sometimes what prompts this is when I get upset. So I would say anger kind of prompts it because I don't like the feeling of anger. It's usually something valid, meaning there's something what I would call righteous anger. You could, you know, anybody could say, well, that's not really fair, right? And even if that's true, it doesn't, you know, there's, there's energy in anger. So we get motivated. You know, feelings are there to motivate us to take some type of action. And when we pay attention to them, then we can take an appropriate action. So a lot of times, if I do get prompted to take action, sometimes there's nothing I can do, right? Sometimes it's just something unfair in the world. And so I'll put on music that has high energy and dance through that. And that will help process a lot of stuff. I mean, rather than being upset for, you know, the old version of me, maybe maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe a month. I might be upset about something, you know, a year later or something like that. And I think a lot of us have experiences where we're still upset about something way in the past. And this is, you know, happening in the matter of five minutes. You talk about anger management a lot in your hypnosis work. So I'm curious to ask you, Erica, what is your relationship with anger now versus in the past? I think you know anger the the root feeling is that we have we we kind of live on a spectrum from fear to love and really all that all that fear is is the absence or the perceived absence of love or if you want to restate that a perceived separation from god or a perceived separation from source which is not even true so you know so once we get rid of that fear though Sometimes we're angry with ourselves, we're angry with other people, we're angry perhaps that we didn't take action soon enough. And I think what we need to do is really honor and pay attention to all of our feelings. There are no feelings that are bad. And so, you know, we kind of get taught, I think, to some degree that certain feelings are bad, like don't be angry and you shouldn't be angry, that type of a thing. And, you know, when we teach our kids that you shouldn't be angry because that's a bad feeling to have. Well, what are people supposed to do with that feeling, right? Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, with with anger, the best thing to do is recognize that it can be valid. 
Anger does not have to lead to violence, number one. Anger is just the recognition that something has been unfair. And so I think ultimately the best thing to do is if you're sad, it's okay to be sad. If you're angry, it's okay to be angry, but we don't want you to get stuck there. So allow yourself to feel the feeling and then you can move on and take action. Could you give us any recent example from your life when you were upset and angry and you were able to manage your anger in a positive way, you channeled your upset and anger emotions in more positive way? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity right now with the kind of polarization in in life with the whole pandemic. So anywhere you go, there's there, you know, whether you have a mask on or you don't, or whether whatever's happening, there's lots of opportunity for people, you know, to not be super nice to each other. And, you know, rather than kind of diving into that, I have a technique that I call the two breath hypnosis technique. And it's a really fantastic technique because it only takes about 10 seconds. And all you do anytime that you feel triggered And so I think this is a really interesting technique because instead of us thinking, oh my gosh, I got triggered today or somebody upset me today, instead of thinking that, what we get to think is, oh, I was tested today and I, you know, I passed the test, right? So we can start thinking of these triggers as opportunities for us to find our own growth, right? Can you give us a demo? Yeah, of course. So the with the two breath hypnosis technique, what you do is you consider a color that represents peace, tranquility, and calm. So what would that be for you, Nishant? White and blue. White White and blue. Okay. And how about a color that represents everything you no longer want? So it's kind of like the carbon monoxide, right? We... We breathe, in, we breathe in carbon dioxide, we exhale carbon monoxide, there's nothing wrong with it, the trees like it, but we don't need it anymore. So what color represents everything you no longer need? I actually like all the colors now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you so, just, just pick one. It doesn't, let's it's say not, black. Yeah, black. Okay. Yeah, it's not a, a good thing nor a bad thing, right? It's just a color. And the reason that the color is important is because your subconscious mind speaks in the language of color and image. And so when we start talking about color, we're automatically engaging that part of the mind. And so what I'd like you to do is take in a really deep breath. So I'll tell you first, and then we'll do it. I want you to take in a really, really deep breath. Imagine breathing that color, that blue, that white to the tips of your toes. And as you exhale, exhale really slowly. And then you're going to do that one more time. It's a two breath hypnosis technique. So you breathe in the blue and white, and then you exhale really slowly. Now, when you exhale, you're thinking of the black and you're just thinking of it exhaling out of your body, getting recycled by the universe, getting reused by, you know, a symbiotic relationship that you have with the universe, whatever you're exhaling, there's another part of the universe that is needing that, right? So it's just like this beautiful flow that you're imagining. So when you do that, it takes about 10 seconds, maybe 12 seconds, and you'll feel better. And it gives you good reason to pause. And so do you want to do the technique right now? I can do the full thing with you if you'd like. Yes, let's do it. Okay, so the full technique, I need you to bring up some anxiety. So the best way to bring up some anxiety is to think about something kind of small. I don't want you to think of something that's actually super stressful. You know, maybe like you're you're running late for a meeting and you're stuck in traffic or you're running late for a podcast and your, <laughs> your, your computer just crashed or something. You know, something that's like a little anxiety. 
And on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being so anxious, you'd just run out of the room, right? Like someone was chasing you, you know, let it be something like maybe around a five, but you can kind of feel it a little bit. So think about something and get yourself up to a five and then let me know when you're there. I'm there. Okay. All right. So now what I want you to do, go ahead and do the technique. So do take in a really nice and deep breath, blue and white in, exhale out the black really slowly. One more breath in when you're ready. Nice and deep. Exhale completely. Exhale slowly. The black. And when you're done with that, once again, on a scale of one to 10, let me know where you're at. Seven. All right. And where were you before? Five. Okay. So you went, so you, you're more relaxed. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that would be going up is actually more stress. So it would be like okay. So it would be like a three. You went to a three. 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 Yeah. Okay, good. So, you know, about 12 seconds, you went from a five to a three. Now, if you had been up even higher, let's say you were at a seven and you got went down to a five, I'd ask you to do it again. Okay. The, the beauty in this technique is its simplicity. You can do it anywhere. No one has to know that you're doing it. And you can train your brain to do it automatically, just like we learned to play an instrument, just like we learned to play a sport, you can train your brain to do this automatically, such that anytime you feel even a little trigger, even a hint of a little of anxiety, you take in a nice deep breath. And it brings you right back to the present moment. You feel safer, you feel better. Thank you for giving us a demo. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you bet. So, Erika, I would love to travel back in your life. You used to be a computer engineer until 2014, and then you changed your career. So I want to ask you, why did you change your career? I was unsatisfied with my life as a software engineer. It was a great job, great people. The work was interesting, but I was, I was unsatisfied. I, you know, looking back now, I was missing my spirituality and now that the work that I'm doing is so spiritually aligned with my beliefs, I feel like, you know, there used to be this idea when I was doing software engineering, there was this idea of work-life balance and or work-life separation. And for me now, there is really no balance or separation. It's work-life integration. And so my purpose is, you know, aligned with what I do every single day. So you know, I getting to this place wasn't easy. I went through a low point in getting here because I was really unhappy. And I think this happens to a lot of folks. You know, we start following a path that we believe will bring happiness. You know, the Western, the story of, you know, America, right? You go to college and get your career and get married and have the kids in the car and the picket fence and everything. And I did all of that and I didn't find the happiness that was promised. So I was, you know, disappointed and I didn't, I felt lost and didn't know what to do. So that's what started me seeking out something else. And that's when I found hypnosis. Would you mind talking about some of the reasons of your unhappiness? And the reason I'm asking is a lot of people are wanting to be happy. They may not be sure how to move from one career to another and so on and so forth. Right. Well, ultimately, like my happiness isn't coming from my career. My happiness is coming from my beliefs. 
And what I needed to, what was missing for so many years is just a belief in something greater than myself, which is kind of the ultimate question. Why are we here? You know, a lot of people get to a place in their life where they really do feel they're on the hamster wheel. They're like, is this really all that life has to offer? I can't believe that every day I'm just going to work so hard just to barely make ends meet at the end of the day. And so we need to have something greater. We need to be able to look and see why are we created and what is the, the greater reason? And am I playing some game here, right? I believe that all of uh, this we have created in our minds and we are in control of all of it. And so when you take a step back and you look at your life from that higher perspective, you can start to see some of the connections and why certain things happen to you. And you can also see how to lead a much more fulfilling and rich life because you don't play the game of kind of like the material world. What steps did you take while quitting your job as a software engineer and choosing hypnosis as a career profession? How did that transition look like? Yeah, there was a lot of soul searching. I spent a lot of, I mean, every time that I'm diving into kind of my spirituality, it's always lots of reading books and lots of time in nature. So it's me hiking with books, basically. Music, nature, and reading. <laughs> Do you remember some of the books you were reading at that point in 2014? Around that time? Yeah, I, read a, I was reading a lot of Wayne Dyer at the time. I read a book, Dr. Jill Dispenza? Boyle. No, I hadn't read him yet. Jill Oil, I think is her name. She's a neuroscientist who had a stroke. My Stroke of Insight was her book. Jill um, Bull Taylor. I had her on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. So that was a really cool book that I read. I had also read Michael Newton's books, Journey of Souls, Destiny of Souls. That, those are interest, really interesting books for folks who believe in past life regression, believe in reincarnation, and where do we go in between our lives? So that's an interesting book for folks who like that sort of thing. I have been following Dr. Wayne Dyer from last three to four years, and I listen to his audios almost every day. So I'm curious to ask <laughs> you, Erica, what books did you read? Because I'm a huge fan of Wayne Dyer. Oh, man, I read all of them, I think. I mean, not the erogenous. I don't think I read like his very first books, but I read, I mean, I consumed all of his books at the time. So, you know, I'm trying to think of what they are now. Something about wishes. He he wrote a book on the Tao, which was really cool. Where he Change your thoughts, change your yeah. life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I listened to a lot of his stuff too. So I had a lot of his stuff on on tape. I saw him... I saw him in Seattle with Bruce was it Bruce Lipton, is that right? Bruce Lipton. Yeah, yeah. I saw them perform in Seattle. Yeah, so he's, you know, he's got a great story. He had a falling out with his dad and he was drinking. That was part of my story too with alcohol. So I turned to alcohol. That was part of my recovery and just, you know, finding my own spirituality. So, and that was part of Wayne Dyer's story. He sold <laughs> books out of the back of his car. He's just, yeah, he's got a lot of good stories. And why did you choose hypnosis only? There are thousands and millions of professions. Why hypnosis? Yeah, you know, I did seek out other ways of helping and other ways of, you know, I looked into breath work. I looked into Reiki. I looked into energy healing, that type of a thing. But 
when I found hypnosis, hypnosis was much more systematic and hypnosis is really mapped in neuroscientifically to functions in the brain. So it is really, there is more of a scientific backing to hypnosis than anything else. Number one, number two, I really love the idea that the brain functions similar to a computer. Now it's not entirely true. I think our, our brain is much more complex than any computer we could design with that brain. I think the heart functions as a brain, the gut functions as a brain, we have the vagus nerve. So we are much, much more complex than what we can understand as a computer. However, there are elements of computing that definitely map across to the way the brain functions. We can pattern the brain, we can change the brain, we can habituate the brain to certain things, and we know how to do it. We can shift language, we can shift perception. And so all of these tools and techniques help us have a different experience, which can then shift unnecessary or unwanted feelings from kind of cropping up and and dismantling our day, which is what most people don't want. They just want to stay calm and peaceful and focused. They don't want anything to trigger them. They don't want anything to be upsetting. And so when we can train the brain to stay at that calm state, people feel like they're in control again. And when they feel like they're in control, now they can take risks on their own behalf. They can sign up for things that might scare them. They can, you know, they can really be their best self because now they're, they're more calmer and they trust themselves. You mentioned about vagus nerve. What is that? The vagus nerve um, starts at the base of your skull and it runs all the way down your spine. Now we talked about the chakras earlier, and some people would say that the chakras run, you know, inside of the vagus nerve. But the vagus nerves is responsible for the fight, freeze, fight, or flight response. And so there are times when we can get triggered and fear, feel fearful. And blood will rush from our brain. It will rush to our large muscles. We will not think very clearly. And so that's all part of the vagus nerve's job. And if we can train the vagus nerve to stay calm, most people feel a lot better. And this is, you know, for a lot of folks who have PTSD or an experience like that, the vagus nerve is being triggered, which is happening below the level of conscious awareness to a large degree, which means most people feel like they don't have any control over it because it's happening before they are consciously aware of it. And with hypnosis and other vagal training, there's a polyvagal theory. There's a lot of books on this material if if some of your readers are interested or listeners are interested in the PTSD and, and, and looking at the vagus nerve because it really is kind of the root part of our brain that is shifting our energy and our focus. It's kind of like the central, it's kind of like communicating. It's sending the communication to the other parts of our body. Then what could be the ways to calm down our vagus nerve, if that is the right question? It is a very good question. So there are a lot of ways to calm down the vagus nerve, and some of them are very simple. One of them is breathing. And the two breath hypnosis technique. So the the trick with the vagus nerve and breathing, it's the exhalation. So if you make the exhalation really long, that will trigger the vagus nerve parasympathetic response. That's the calm and relaxation. So a very slow exhalation is number one. Number two, you can close your eyes. That will calm you down because you're getting rid of external stimuli. Number three, relax your jaw. Let your jaw hang there. If your jaw is just hanging there, that's relaxation response. Again, it will trigger the vagus nerve. Another way to do this is to you can hum. So it's really surprising, but if you're really stressed, just if you just mm, you hum in your mouth, it will calm down your vagus nerve. I didn't know about humming that we can really calm down yeah. our vagus nerve just through humming. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was stuck in a, I was trying to go to Washington DC a few years ago to publish my third book and it was a snowstorm uh, and I was caught in the car and it was, it was quite scary. I mean, you know, there's these big semis driving by and I couldn't really, I was kind of lower to the ground. Anyway, the best thing for me to do was just to hum. And I hummed and kind of sang and hummed almost the whole way to Seattle. But if I didn't, if I didn't have that, I, my mind would have been, I would have been kind of freaking out and looking on either side because there was so much snow flying that it was covering my windshield. So we need to have some of these tools at our disposal and know how to help our body control itself. I knew what was happening. So I knew that it was important for me to slow exhalation, start humming to keep that part of me calm. There may be some listeners who are very new in the hypnosis practice. So could you explain in brief what hypnosis really is in a layman language? Hypnosis is the ability for you to focus on one thing. And when you're focusing on that one thing, you can accept suggestions that are positive for you. And really what's happening with everything else in our life, we are too scattered to ever get anything really done. And so with hypnosis, and hypnosis is a normal and natural state of mind. We go into the state of mind all of the time. So, you know, for example, if you're trying to listen to a song on the radio, but there's so much static that you could hardly hear it, most people just don't pay attention to it. And that's our daily life. We're trying to listen to things from our mind, from our heart, from God. And there's just too much static everywhere. With hypnosis, you can tune in crystal clear and understand the message and understand how it relates to every other thing in your life. And we get that because we quiet the mind and then we quiet the body. Erica, I'm wondering that Mm -hmm. mindfulness practices such as transcendental meditation and other kinds of meditation are also there to calm our mind and to enhance our focus. Then why hypnosis? What is the difference between mindfulness and hypnosis? If that question makes sense. Right, it does, because that would be the first step. Once the mind is quiet, now you're going to do and use the hypnotic suggestion. And that is the real primary difference between hypnosis and meditation, where meditation, quieting the mind might be enough, or focusing on one thing might be enough. But with hypnosis, we're actually attempting to make some type of a change, right? We want to understand why we have a limiting belief. We want to understand why we're not feeling well. We understand why we eat when we don't want to eat, that type of a thing. And so from there, now we have an intention, and the intention is a hypnotic suggestion. And so the hypnotic suggestion might be something like, you only eat when you're actually hungry. Now, that might seem like a really simple suggestion, but if people really take that to heart and they only actually eat when they're hungry, they lose all the weight they want to lose. And so what happens is at the very deepest levels of the mind, we can make a suggestion like that and it sticks. And then it's not even a consideration anymore. So what people find is that they're not snacking, they're not buying extra food, and they don't really know why. It's just happening naturally. And the reason it's happening naturally is because we got that very, very deep level and we made a change at the root of who they are. How can we use this hypnotic suggestion? I'm deep in the ignorance pool of this hypnosis. I'm asking all these dumb questions. No, they're not dumb at all. This is the very basic stuff, right? So I think one of the things that we need to really understand is watch your internal dialogue. 
that's the best place to start because if you have negative self-talk or there's negative internal dialogue, that's the best place to consider starting with hypnosis because hypnosis really is about reprogramming how you think and feel. If you have, have a lot of negativity in your mind, the garbage has to be taken out first. Let's put it that way, <laughs> right? But then what you want to be doing, yeah, you want to be thinking about the positive aspect of what it uh, is you do want in your life. So one of the things that I see most people making the mistake of when they get stuck is they only know what they don't want. I don't want to feel so stressed. I don't want to eat so much. I don't want to drink so much. And they never consider what it is they do want. And so that's the next thing. Look at your negative self-talk. And the next thing is understand what you do want in your life. And if you don't know what that is, you have to figure it out. So many people think they have to know their purpose before they start doing something, when in reality, start doing something and your purpose will be revealed. So, you know, the path of real happiness and success is, is forward, not staying stuck. <laughs> Right? This reminds me of Wayne Dyer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so like a lot, I help a lot of people start their hypnosis practice. You know, I train a lot of hypnotists and so many people want to have an answer before they can start. They're like, well, what should I, you know, I need to have, you know, my website. I need to have everything done before I can open business. And it's like, well, you can't have everything done before you get started. You know, I mean, if you wait to have everything done, it might take you two, three months. And in that meantime, you could have seen eight clients, which is going to be better for you to have the experience of eight clients, you know? So we need to be going out there and doing things. So yeah, get rid of that negative self-talk and then you have to know what you want. Those are the two things that you have to figure out. And then from there, it's easy to create a hypnotic suggestion that would help you get to where you want to go. And what's likely going to happen is when you try and think about that hypnotic suggestion, it might feel uncomfortable. And that's how we know there's feelings there. And that's what we do in hypnosis. We shift those feelings, the fear-based feelings, the anger-based feelings, the guilt-based feelings, the sadness-based feelings, the shame that are associated with these thoughts. We change those. So then those thoughts can be fully and completely accepted. And once they are fully and completely accepted, they happen on their own. Would you say that hypnotic suggestion is a tool or a technique in the hypnosis space? I would. I would. But again, hypnosis is a normal and natural state of mind. And so this is why I love to stress uh, the negative self-talk because we are hypnotizing ourselves all day long with the language that's going on in our mind. So yes, hypnosis and the hypnotic suggestion is its own thing, but you're, you are right now giving yourself hypnotic suggestions by what you're saying in your own mind. So you're automatically doing it. We might as well make it something positive and something good. Yes, if we keep telling the same thing over and over, our mind starts to believe that this is true. You're right. It does. And and a lot of it, if it is negative, we don't share it with the outside world because we would be embarrassed to say that I talk to myself in that regard. So we don't share it externally either. So I think, you know, some of the words, for example, that I am getting rid of out of my life right now are words like should, need, and must, those types of things. And I'm shifting them to, I get to, I want to. So it's, it, it is very important, the language we're using in our mind. That is, it is a computer program. It's, it's programming your brain, the language you use in your mind. So be very mindful of it. If somebody wants to start their journey on this hypnosis, hypnosis practices, then what mm -hmm. is the path? How 
can this start from? Well, I would say, you know, if they're interested in training, they can contact me for hypnosis training. But if it's personal, they want to do, you know, learn self-hypnosis, I would recommend getting our relaxation recording. It's guided. So they could go to cascadehypnosiscenter.com slash breathe and get a free hypnosis at 17 minutes. Start with that. Listen to it once a day. What you'll find is you have more energy. You will recharge faster. You'll have mental clarity and it will be an asset to your life. And I recommend listening to it around the 3 p.m. hour, whatever that means for you. So if you, you know, like a normal nine to five style of a day, most people are kind of getting that, you know, they want to have donuts, you know, in the break room at around three o'clock, they need a little sugar rush. People are having a little tired lull. And so I recommend listening to it at that time of day. It'll give you more energy. You'll get more work done. You'll come home satisfied or, you know, remain at home now satisfied. And that's a great way to get started because it's guided. So we can use that training whenever we feel tired. It doesn't have to be 3 p.m. Is that correct? Right. Yep. And the nice thing is that with hypnosis, you know, it's almost like, you know, 20 minutes of hypnosis is like an hour nap. Because with focused relaxation, our body can actually recharge faster. And so if you are tired, yeah, listen to it. But even if you're not tired, if you're a high performer and you want to refocus your mind, you want to have a really good working session, like me, I like to work in two-hour blocks, and then I take a break. I will listen to this right before that two-hour block. I'll redo my morning routine, that two-and-a-half-minute morning routine, and then I'm off for two hours. I have a follow-up question on this, Erica. So how many blocks of time do you have usually on a daily basis? Just two. Four hours. Yeah, because I mean, I would love to say that I have four two-hour blocks, but I'm that's too too much intensity for a day. I will do two two-hour blocks. I get a ton done, and then the other three, four, you know, two to four hours, depending on how much I'm working that day, depending on what's on my calendar, I get a lot of work done in a short period of time, and then I have time to do the other things I want in my life. So, when do you schedule those blocks in your day? I, one in the morning, ten o'clock, and then one in the afternoon at one o'clock. 10 to 12 and 1 to 3. Yeah. That is actually a good time. I, I like it. So I can also borrow this technique from you. When okay. your mind is at peak performance, when you're calm and focused, then you get your most productive work done. Oh, absolutely. I won't even work if I'm feeling too tired. I mean, I think, you know, when we're tired and we keep and we try to push through, this is often when we make mistakes. We might, you know, reply all. We might miss a typo. And then we end up doing something, you know, we wish we would have gone to bed rather than keep pushing through. And so really, when you want to do good work, it's really all about state of mind, you've got to get in the right state of mind for you to do really good work. And if you're not feeling it, then just stop. What Give time do you go to bed? Um, I go to bed early. I mean, ever since, you know, when it's dark, like it is now this time of year, I'll be in bed at seven thirty, eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> then what time do you wake up? Around four, usually. Yeah. And then in the summertime, you know, I really am up by the sun. So in the summertime, I'm up at, you know, five in the morning and I'll be to bed 10 or 11 at night. I, my body thrives on sunshine. So would you say that sleep has a major role in your life to be productive and to achieve big things in life? Yeah, I would say sleep is probably the number one thing that I need. Sleep and water. 
I mean, if I'm dehydrated <laughs> and people, you know, underestimate how important hydration is, but especially for spiritual seekers, we need to be extra careful with hydration because water carries an energetic charge. And if you're dehydrated, you are not going to be as well. You're not going to be in alignment nearly as well. It's just easier. Everything is easier with water. It's fluid. It's liquid. It's dynamic. And that goes for our spiritual and energetic bodies as well. There's something magical about water. So those are the two things, hydration and sleep. I could go without food <laughs> and I do. <laughs> and I could go, I could go without being outside I love, I need joy and laughter too. So those would probably be the three things that I would pick. And as a listener to this podcast, I'm wondering, Erika, how, what are your personal hypnosis practices? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, you know, being a professional hypnotist, I'm in hypnosis all day long. You know, I will see in, inside of my, the two hour breaks where I do some working sessions, I'm still seeing maybe one or two clients a day as well. And so when I'm working with clients, you know, the best hypnotists go into state first. So part of my, you know, routine is I'm going into hypnosis with my clients when I'm working with them. But anytime that there is a transition in my day is when I do hypnosis. And if you're a follower of the law of attraction, they call this segment mm -hmm. planning or segment intention, something like that. And the idea is like, let's say, you know, I'm about done with my work day here. And when I am finished, I'm going to, to stop and do a two-breath hypnosis technique and set an intention for what I want the next segment of my day to be. How am I going to close out my day? I'm going to go, I'm going to go run some errands and come back. Well, my intention for running errands, I'm going to bring, bring joy and happiness to everybody I run into. That's what I'm going to do. That's my intention. And then when I get back home, I'm going to do the same thing. So I'm going to do two-breath hypnosis technique and what's my intention for the evening? Well, I'm going to maybe relax or create some music or something like that. But I'm really purposefully thinking about what I want my day to be like. And it always, always has to do with joy and divinity. So it's always about bringing God to the table and being joyful. And when I remember that, then my day goes kind of from one joy to the next, right? It's about setting intention at every segment in your daily lives. It's not about just morning routine or nightly routines. It's about Every hour, every moment that counts. That's how, right. That's how we stay present. And that is the only thing, you know, the only thing for us to do is remember that we're God and then bring that divinity. I like to light it up in other people. So my favorite thing to do is watch God come out when I start speaking with them and stay in that moment. That's it, like forever. And then it's a constant uh, practice of returning. And continuing to return to the present moment and recognizing how did I get off track? How did I get lost this time, right? And the better we get at that, the more we stay in that state, the more magic happens. That is true. That is very true. So, Erika, I want to ask you some of the issues that hypnosis can help with. And I read in your work that you can help people to get through past experiences and overcome a painful past experience. Could you elaborate on what do you mean by overcoming a painful past experience through hypnosis? Yeah, and this is a big part of the work that we do. It has a, a lot to do with shame. You know, a lot of people were taught from a very young age that their feelings don't matter. They were made to believe that they don't count. They were abused. They were neglected. They were molested. They were physically hurt. They were ignored, they were bullied, 
they were made fun of, and and we cope. We learn to cope with those things. And sometimes we learn to cope in ways that are beneficial. So sometimes we learn to cope and we join a sports program and and it actually ends up being the best thing for us or we become we join drama or we join the band and and you know so it, we kind of look for support in it and that we triumph right and it's like the hero's journey and we feel really good about it and so it can be a, a blessing but for some folks we can get stuck in that and so then we have a coping strategy we might start drinking at a young age we might start smoking at a young age we might start you know not believing in ourselves right and so then we have a bad habit and the best way to help people, you know, stop drinking, stop smoking, improve their self-esteem, that type of thing, that's we go to where it's rooted, to where it began. Because the reality is when anytime that we believe that we're unworthy, anytime we believe that we're not good enough, that's merely an illusion. It's because you've forgotten that you're God, basically. And so we get to remind people how amazing they are in this state of hypnosis and remind them of the union where they came from. And then all of those bad feelings dissipate because they were just, you know, it was basically just an illusion. When that happens, it tends to help people feel better about everything that's going on in their life in the moment. Could you share an instance from your life when you overcame a painful past experience, if you're comfortable about it? Yeah, I've overcome a lot of painful past experiences. I mean, my my story was I was really, you know, really successful in my career, but it didn't bring me happiness. So I was really kind of uh, thrown for a loop, if you will, because I'm marching along this path. Wow, this is a great career. This is, you know, everything I always wanted. And then, oh my gosh, I'm just not happy. So I started drinking. Now, hypnosis helped me. I, I believe I was drinking to kind of fill in a void. And the void to me is my spirituality. I didn't have anything pulling me forward. And it's hypnosis that helped me recognize that. Hypnosis is what helped me recognize that the happiest times in my life were when I was reading, when I was talking to source God every day, when I was listening to my music or creating music. And so that level of insight, I was never able to have that level of insight when I just thought about it consciously. I could not connect the dots. In hypnosis, I connected the dots. In hypnosis, I had clarity. In hypnosis, I could see my life from a different level, from perhaps God's perspective. And that's a lot of what hypnosis is doing is it gives us different perspectives with which to view our life through. And we get to choose one that, that we like. If any of our listeners doesn't believe in God or spirituality, can they still practice hypnosis? Absolutely, because it's really about something greater than you right? And that's what really most people actually need. They need something. So for some folks, if they don't believe in God, it's really just something greater than you, which can be love, which can be family, which can be nature, which can be anything at all that people can believe in. And the reason that that's important is because otherwise a lot of people won't do things in and of themselves. They won't do, they won't do it for themselves. I actually asked a very similar question to one of my guests, Gabrielle, Gabby, a long time ago. And she said that, People believe in something. If you don't believe in God or spirituality or higher power or any woo-woo concept, you believe in something. So do for things that you believe in. Yeah. So you mentioned about books and you are a book lover. I want to ask you what books have you gifted the most? Well, definitely my own books. <laughs> Can you name? We just, 
<laughs> we just, I mean, we just got a book, a box of like 300 of them that arrived at my house instead of the office the other day. So I was laughing, you know, because it's like, oh my gosh, now I have to bring, it was like eight boxes of books, books to the office. And in, so this is a good example. Instead of being upset about it, like, man, why didn't they send it to the office? Now I have to cart it there. Instead of being upset about that, it, I thought, what a glorious problem to have. Like, oh, we sold so many books that now we're getting more in, right? So instead of being frustrated by that, it's an opportunity to be super grateful. About could you what's name on, could right? you name the book that is in the box? The first one, we ordered all three. So Reprogram Your Weight is the first one. And that is Inspirational Stories of Clients Who Have Lost Weight with Hypnosis. That's my first book. It was published in 2016. The second one is Lighter. And Lighter is 31 Tools and Tricks to Lose Weight and Keep It Off for Life. That was published a year later. And then my third book is Can You Be a Hypnotist? And that is for folks who are curious and interested in perhaps starting a professional hypnosis practice, full-time practice. And my fourth book, which is going to come out early next year, is called The Academy of Eternity. And it's how to live and heaven on earth, how to bring and live heaven on earth. So you are writing your fourth book, and which is coming early next year. What is your writing schedule usually? It is very much the two-hour blocks. As a matter of fact, that's where it comes from. <laughs> Those the two-hour blocks are two-hour writing blocks, and so that's how I like to do it. I will, if it's a writing day. I do not want to have anything else on the calendar because writing takes, it's just kind of like a podcast. And, you know, I want to have all of my energy focused. So I tend not to want to have anything scheduled before I do a podcast when I have all my energy. And so I will have a two hour writing block. And when that two hours is over, I'm done. Now, if, I, if I'm really inspired, I can keep writing, but I don't just keep going. I don't just push through. It's good to write and then take a break for me. Do you write? On paper or do you use computer? Computer. Yeah, I'm a much faster typer. So any any application, WordPad, or can you can you name that? Yeah, I just use Microsoft Word. Yep. And <laughs> and really the the first round, the first writing isn't necessarily about the grammar or the writing necessarily as the plot and the structure and the story and some of the elements. So it's kind of nice to have software that isn't doing anything other than just writing, you know? Do you have you focused. any specific software that you use for the grammar check? No, because we have, we have what's called a line editor who's going to go through that. So I don't even worry about grammar because I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a talented writer. And if I sat down and, and worried about the grammar, it would prevent me from writing a good story. <laughs> So I just focus on the story and I don't worry. And, and, you know, it's interesting because this book, this fourth book, The Academy of Eternity, one of the primary points we're making in this point is in this book is that is beginner's mind. And beginner's mind is the concept that, you know, you allow yourself to make mistakes and just kind of be vulnerable and just allow yourself to do it. And so me being able to write, knowing that the sentence structure isn't perfect, knowing that the grammar isn't perfect, knowing that there are spelling errors, some people who are perfectionists would have a really hard time doing that. And it limits them from being successful because they won't even get started. If so somebody's I, trying to be perfectionist, your work will never be out in the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, it can make it very challenging. So I think it's called writing forward. And so we just write. I don't go back and, and restate a sentence. I don't try to figure out linguistically the best way to uh, craft a sentence. I'm not looking at specific pr- uh, prose at this point. The first draft is just a rough draft story, story elements, magical components. And then we get to go back and polish it up with beautiful prose and other linguistic pieces later. Neil Gaiman, who is the world-renowned author, he says that your first draft is just for yourself. Yeah. Yep. So, Erika, I want to ask you that, what is your most critical need in the upcoming year's life? Hmm. I would love to say I don't actually need anything. I mean, that's, you know, the the reality is, of course, we need, you know, fresh air and, and water and, and things like that every single day. But my intention, at least, is to get to a place where the services that I'm offering speak for themselves. I am talking about them in ways that are attracting everyone that is in need of these services and everyone is getting uh, serviced as they need. So everything just flows. So that's Thank my you. intention. And my last question to you is where can our listeners find you? Where do you want our listeners to find you? Well, they can find me online you know, Cascade Hypnosis Training is a great place to find me for anything on training, but we have pages on Facebook, Cascade Hypnosis Center, Cascade Hypnosis Training is a good place to check in for tips on how to stay calm, how to use hypnosis and hypnotic techniques if you're interested in becoming a professional hypnotist. Great. And I will put all the links in the show notes. So Erica, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? I don't think so. I mean, there's plenty. We covered some wonderful topics. I think that the thing I want all of your listeners to know that is that each of them absolutely belongs. And it's important that we find our own way. You know, you're a unique person and it's your unique gift to the world that each of us wants. We don't need copycats. We already have each of us. So, you know, really take that to heart and and follow your heart, follow your heart song. And that's what's going to bring what the world really needs is the real you. Thank you so much, Harika. It was a hypnotic conversation with you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Nishan. It's so wonderful to be here today. So thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode today. If you did enjoy this, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or you can visit https colon slash slash nishangarg.me n-i-s-h-a-n-t-g-a-r-g dot me you can also share this episode with your loved ones to help them live a fulfilled life you are not alone in this journey we all struggle in life there is no shame in talking about it i go through my highs and lows i get depressed and these practices help me in living a resilient life you can also do this you got this don't judge yourself you are doing the best you can and thank you so much again Mm -hmm.